Well, good morning again. Everybody wait. Well, she's gone. Where's Lou Ray? There she is. She's, everybody wave at Lou Ray. Lou Ray's come to visit us. Lou Ray, if you don't know who Lou Ray is, uh, Lou Ray and Archie were part of this church. When did you join, Lou Ray? Many years ago. Many, many years ago. Um, in fact, if I remember rightly, Noah hadn't yet set sail, right? <laughs> yeah, so it, it, we're glad that you're here with us. We're glad that you are joining us online. Today, as I mentioned earlier, is the first day of Advent. Now, many of you may know what Advent is. It's something that um, what I call the more traditional churches have been doing for years, the more evangelical churches like Lakeway, it's somewhat new for us. But we've been celebrating Advent for a few years now. It's not a biblical tradition. It is a church tradition. And there's nothing wrong with church traditions as long as they don't conflict with biblical truth. So Advent is a time of, of, of waiting, of expectation. So we have an Advent wreath here. Sandra and I have one at home. There are five candles on the wreath, and they all represent something different. Today is hope. We have peace, love, joy, and in the center is the Christ candle. So Advent begins four Sundays before Christmas. So this is four Sundays. Can you believe that? This is four Sundays before Christmas because Christmas this year is on a Sunday. So this is the first day of Advent. So we're going to light our first candle today, and um, I believe Mavis is going to help with this, and Canon is going to do our scripture reading. The theme, as I said, is hope. So Canon, I'll let you do that. And Mavis, you get to light this first candle. Isn't that exciting? Go ahead. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Thank you, Canon. Thank you, Mavis. You may be seated. So what Canon read there was um, really what we're going to be talking about today. So there, there are a couple of ways of looking at Advent. So it's something we look forward to. What are we looking forward to? Christmas, right? Who's looking forward to Christmas? Yeah, Christmas is a good time. We like Christmas. I like Christmas. Nothing wrong with, with enjoying Christmas. But Christmas is the remembrance of Jesus coming in the past, it's past tense. And we live in the present tense. We live now. Sorry, I'm trying to get my uh, tablet to catch up with me here, but it won't. But we look forward to Christ's second coming. And that's what that scripture referred to, Christ's second coming. It is with hope that we think about Christ coming again. And it is hope that enables us to bring joy and love and peace 
into our present day. It's kind of dark out there, isn't it? The news is gloomy. But we have a hope of something that is to come that cannot be taken away from us. And we can take some of that hope and bring it into today. And that's what helps us to live in joy for the day. So that's what Advent is all about. I've got a, an Advent um, devotional that I'm going through with, with uh, my small group. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in, in a second. But I encourage you, be part of Advent. It's a devotion for each day, and it ends on that fourth Sunday, or the Sunday right before Christmas, and then we're going to have a Christmas Eve service where we light the big candle, and then obviously a Christmas Day service. So just give me a second to catch up here. Oh, this is so perfect. This fits so much with what I need to tell you today. Here we go. How does this fit? You will find out. We're in a series called Living by the Spirit. And it's a study in the book of Ephesians. I have a smile on my face. All will be revealed. And this morning we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. It's a great letter from Paul to the church. It's not to an individual. So it's to all of us collectively about what it means to live by the Spirit. And today we're going to do the whole of chapter 4. So there's quite a bit of scripture in there. And I'm going to try and get it to a place where you won't fall asleep in the middle of it. Because it's kind of stuffy, isn't it? We're at that stage in the year where I don't know whether to put air on or heat on. So right now the fans are just going to keep the air moving. If you feel yourself drifting off and I see you, I'm going to call you out. Just to give you an incentive. <laughs> I have done it. <laughs> I will not do it today. So as we've been doing, um, in order to get the context of chapter 4, we're going to go back to the last part of chapter 3 where... Uh, Paul says this beautiful prayer over the Ephesian church, and it's a, it's a series of blessings. Now, if you weren't here last week, you can go to our website, you can go to our Facebook page, see any of the messages that, that have been preached, or download them, or, or listen to them, or just watch them. So Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read the last two verses, and then go straight into chapter 4. Because you remember, when, when Paul wrote this, he didn't write it with chapters and verses. It was a letter. And sometimes to get the context, to get the feel for it, it's, it's almost better to cut the chapters and the verses out there and just read it like a letter. So this is chapter 3, verse 20, 21. He says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You have been called by God. We are all called by God. What does it mean to be called? Well, I know when I was a kid, it wasn't always a good thing. You know, when you hear your mom call you and she uses your whole name, it's not a good sign. <laughs> it's like, oh no, what did I do? And uh, <laughs> sometimes I'll get a call from my wife and it's like, I don't think this is good. You know, <laughs> Some calls are bad. 4 a.m. calls, never a good call, never a good call. You know, we live six hours time difference from England and sometimes our relatives get the clock 
messed up, and we'll get a 4 a.m. call, and it, there's nothing wrong. They're just calling to tell us about something stupid. It's like, it's 4 in the morning. <laughs> Leave me alone. And then there are good calls, right? What was love that call from, from the doctor that says, hey, it's negative, nothing to worry about. We love that call from the job interview. You got the job. That's awesome. We love the good calls. God calls us, and his call is a great call, but it's kind of a twofer call. He calls us to everlasting life. He invites us into this relationship where we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We ask for forgiveness of sin, and, and everybody gets the invite. I don't know how that works, but everybody gets the invite to invite Jesus into their lives. Here's the deal, though. You get to choose. You get to choose whether you accept the invite or you reject the invite. Now, if you choose to accept the invite, there's a second invitation that Jesus gives to us, a second calling, and that is the calling to serve him, to be part of his church, to take, you know, so now I've got my ticket to heaven, if you would. That changes my life here and now today. Now, the problem that, that, that I've discovered is that so many people accept the first call, but they're kind of conditional on the second call. And, it, and it's not a single one-and-done call. It's an ongoing calling. It's like, um, it's like GPS in your car or maps, sat-nav, as they say in England. You know, you've got the start point. You've got the end point, and it lays out the route for you. And the big picture looks kind of simple, but when you get into the details, right, it's turn left here, turn right there, take the roundabout, go this way, go that way, and, and, and it gets you to the destination. It's very similar for our spiritual lives. So GPS, Global Positioning Satellite, we have a spiritual positioning satellite. From Jesus, it's a series of instructions, a series of commands as we're on this journey to where we're going that applies to our life today, right now. He wants us to live the best possible life, and he gives us instructions. Some of them are base instructions for all of us, and some of them are specific instructions for individuals. Now, I don't know what you're like, but sometimes people are not good at following maps. Because they think they know the way better than the map knows way. Oh, I can see. I can see some people looking at other people. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> I have been guilty of this at times. And it's because you think you know better than the map, right? What's stupid map taking me this way for? Is we going that way? A stupid map. And you veer off. But fortunately, Google and the makers of these maps, they know us. And as soon as you veer off the map, it gives you a corrective route to get you back on. It's exactly the same in our spiritual life. This is the wonderful thing about Jesus. If we wander off, he will give instructions to bring us back. But it's always a choice. We get to choose whether we follow the instructions or we get to choose whether we ignore the instructions. And I know in my life, sometimes I choose to ignore the instructions. And I don't get the very best that, that Jesus has for me. So he, he says, he begs us. He says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. 
And then he goes on to give us a snapshot of what that calling looks like. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. What did Jesus say to his disciples? It is by your love that they will know that you're my disciples. It's not by your, 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 your righteousness. It's by your love. You know, humility, humility is a wonderful thing. It allows you to see yourself and others in a graceful manner. Sometimes we're kind of hard on ourselves. Sometimes we're kind of hard on others. But humility kind of levels the playing field. It helps us to see that, you know what? (laughs) No, I can't say that. Humility, Michael. (laughs) We're all idiots. (laughs) When you get that in your head, life is easier. I'm an idiot, you're an idiot, I'm sorry, it's true, we do stupid things, don't we? How many people have done things and you look back at it and you think, what was I thinking? Where did I think this went? You know, it's just, sorry God, please forgive me, give me another route back, please. I mean, (laughs) but but it's when we view each other with humility and gentleness that we have that capacity for patience and that we allow for one another's faults because of our love. It's good to have a good, real self-awareness of who you are. We're broken, and we're living here with broken people. I have to bear with you. You have to bear with me. We bear with one another. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. You know, the the whole of the previous chapter talked about oneness. You can be one and yet not unified. Do you know what I mean? And you see this in, in corporations all the time. Oh, yeah, we're all part of the big corporation, but there are factions and there are... Binding yourselves together with peace. You ever had a relationship with a warmonger? I hear a few laughs. I have a friend, a good friend, who is a warmonger. Um, He's just one of those people, no matter what it is, he wants to argue about it. You know, it's good morning. Well, why is it so good? (laughs) And and it's just nonstop, and it kind of wears you down. It's like, oh, give me a break. Don't be a warmonger. Be a peace bringer. I mean, what you let go speaks a lot about your relationship with Jesus. Just letting it slide. Just don't worry about it. Don't be someone that's always picking. and me, 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 me. My wife is great. She's not one of those people, but she lives with one. And, and what does the enemy do? He seeks to divide and conquer. We see that in our country, don't we? Divide and conquer. Cause these factions. You know, those people, and well, those people. And then, the, you know, once people start getting labeled, then it's easier to treat them disrespectfully. You know, I think I preached on this just recently. One of the best things that you can do is begin a relationship with someone you don't agree with. Simply for the exercise of trying to see things through their perspective. 
Why do they think that way? Why do they think differently from me? You may not agree with what they, they think, but it helps you to understand why they might consider it that way. Well, I never thought about that. That's a challenge for you. Verse 4, for there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Although we are unified and we're one body, we're also unique. It's just a wonderful thing, this body, the church, the body of Christ, filled with people who are unified in Christ And each and every one is unique. And each and every one has been gifted by God for a special purpose or purposes. More on that in a moment. And then we go, okay, we've got the next few scriptures. Paul does this every so often. Please forgive me, Paul. He throws in these out in left field bits in the middle of his letters. And and that's what this one is. So verse 8, it says, that's why the scriptures say... When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that he says, it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to give you a big picture of what he's talking about. He's referring to a passage of scripture in Psalm 68, where David is bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. I'm not going to get into it. And, but, what, but what he's doing, what he's telling the people, is that that passage of scripture is about God. And then he brings Jesus into the picture to bring in the Trinity, the, 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 the godness of Jesus. He is the one that ascended up on high. He is the one who came down. He is the one who will ascend again. This Jesus is not just Jesus. He is God. He is the Lord. He is part of the Trinity. So you can read that for yourselves. Verse 11, he says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Now not everybody is called to be an apostle. Not everybody is called to be a prophet. Not everybody is called to be an evangelist. Not everybody is called to be a pastor. And not everybody is called to be a teacher. But some are. And they are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Some of you out there were called to some of these roles. And you might be kind of sitting back because you think, well, I can't do that. And the reason that you probably think you can't do that is because the gifting that God has given you is a holy gift, a spiritual gift. It is not natural to you. So it's kind of like, ooh, I don't know. But you know in your heart that Jesus is telling you and calling you, I called you for this. I called you to do this. But you sit back because you're a little bit afraid of it. I know this, this, this personally. My greatest fear in life, and I've shared this with you many times, my wedding day was ruined because I had to give a speech. And I knew I would be following Sandra's dad, who was 
really good at giving speeches. That's all I could think about. My knees were shaking. And when I think back to my wedding, I remember all my sister's wedding days. All I can remember about mine is, I gotta give a speech. And then one day God comes to me and says, you're going to give a speech every week. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Now here's something you can take to the bank. If God calls you to do something, he equips you to do it. But you have to have the courage to step out and do it. So you look at these gifts that God has given. Next time you're in a Sunday school class, or you're in a small group, thank the person who is teaching for obediently answering God's call. If you know someone who has a gift of evangelism and shares their faith with with people, thank them for responding to God's call. If you know an apostle, someone who is called to a special purpose, you know, man, they they just do that thing. Thank them. They are a gift to the church. They are gifts to you. They are gifts to me. And then in verse 12, he carries on, but why? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, not everyone is called to those stations, but everyone is called to serve. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. Any God's people in here? Come on. Don't be afraid. Any God's people? Raise your hand if you're God's people. Come, I'm going to stand here until everybody's hands raised. Right, so he's talking to you, right? <laughs> Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Everybody is called to do something in the church. Everybody, every single person. And we get to choose whether or not we respond to that call. I called this message this morning choices because that's what I feel this chapter is all about. He carries on. He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. I remember hearing a speaker one time talking about spiritual maturity. And he said that in nature, one is considered to be mature when it can reproduce. When it can reproduce. Spiritually, we are called to reproduce. That's what discipleship is all about. And then he does this, this comparison. Instead, instead of being blown every which way by false teaching, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. You catching that? As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy 
and growing and full of love. What a wonderful picture of the church. You know, sometimes we think about the church as an organization. It's not an organization. It's an organism. It's living. It's alive. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's dynamic, growing in maturity, growing into the likeness of Christ and affecting the environment about it, around it. And then Paul gets out the holy two-by-four. With the Lord's authority, I say this. It's so hard. Anybody ever come to you and said, I think God is telling me. It's so hard to respond to that. You know, Pastor Mike, I think God is telling me that we should paint the church orange. He hasn't told me. <laughs> you know? But it, it, that's a big qualifier. With the Lord's authority, I say this. He is impassioned here. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Now remember, he's talking to Gentile people here. He's talking to converts to Christianity. So he's not saying, well, those people, because they are those people. But don't live like those people. God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now tell me something. Does that not look like the world that we live in? Right is wrong. Wrong is right. And it harkens back to that verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. There's so much teaching in our world today that seems reasonable. But it's not biblical. And we've got to go to the scriptures for our truth. We may not understand it. We may not even agree with it. But it is God's truth and it is the foundation of what we stand on. And then Paul paints this contrasting picture. Now before I get there, because I need you to be with me, it's kind of... Uh, why don't you give you a minute, stand up and stretch. Come on. Get up and stretch. All right, now jumping jacks? Come no, you don't have to do jumping jacks. <laughs> we'll be calling the ambulance for half of you. <laughs> so he paints his contrast. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let. Key word. It's all about choices. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Paul is talking about choices. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Choose to live the new life in Christ. And, and look at the way he says it. Throw off the old way. 
Just get rid of it. Kick it to the gutter. Get, get that out of there. Have nothing to do with it. Don't dabble in it. Get rid of it. Choose the better way. Choices. And then he gets really practical in this last part. So stop telling lies. Anyone ever told a lie? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives the foot, a foothold to the devil. Anger is not a sin. Jesus got angry. There is a righteous anger. It's okay to be angry at injustice and abuse and evil and corruption and deceit. Jesus got angry at those things. And we are right to get angry at those things. It's okay to get angry at the things that make God angry. That's permissible. But we are not allowed to allow anger to control us. There's a time and a place for anger, and there's a time and a place to let it go. And if you can't let it go, then it has control over you. That's what Paul is talking about here. And Satan will use that control. And if that's you, if you're a person that struggles with anger, I would recommend something like Celebrate Recovery to you because you need to discover what is it that's driving this anger? What's going on inside of me that makes me respond in this manner? If you want to talk further about that later, come see me and I'll point you in the right direction. So Paul continues this contrast. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. How do we steal? Sometimes we steal time from God. Sometimes we steal our treasures, our, our, our gifts that God has given us. Sometimes we steal our talents. When God has given us an ability and we don't use it, we're stealing that from Him. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't use your words to cut people down. Use your words to build people up and be selective with the words you use. Gosh, this is a tough one for me. <laughs> I'm always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I don't mean to hurt people. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> say what you mean, mean what you say, and do what you say you are going to do, but make absolutely sure that it, all of it honors God and builds others up. Verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Choose to live in such a way that God's not sad that he identified you. Doesn't have a bunch of people up, angels up there like, really God? Bishop? <laughs> Choose to live in such a way that when God looks at you, he's, it puts a smile on his face. Like, oh yeah, that's one of mine. I like him. Don't make him sad, make him glad. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now look at this. How we treat each other is vitally important. I mean, what a contrast. Rage, anger, harsh words, slander versus kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. They're all choices. All right. Let me tell you why this is important and why Paul is begging them to live in this manner. How we live and the quality of our life mostly comes down to the choices that we make. The habits, good or bad, that we have in our lives. And Paul is telling us there's a better way. There's the old way and there's the new way. But here's the sad news. The old way will always come calling. So I want to spend the rest of our time here talking about this battle. And I know I talk about this a lot, but I'm not going to apologize for it. Because it's important. Good habits are absolutely crucial to making right choices. Let me say that again. Good habits are absolutely crucial to making right choices and living a better life. There's two ways we can go. We can go the old way. We can go the new way. We can go the way of the flesh. Or we can go the way of the spirit. And we get to choose which way we go. We have choices. The good way, the bad. And it's a battle. I've talked about this many times. The battle is waged between the spiritual self and the physical self. Now, I need your attention right here. The physical will always win the battle if we do not feed the spiritual. You know, I've talked before about the bad one and the good one, right? You see it in the cartoons. Which one wins the one you feed? I'm going to rescind that. You don't need to feed the bad one. He's there. He's showing up. He's going to be leading you down the wrong road. The old way is always there. You need to feed the good one. We live in a physical carnal world. We are physical beings. That's why this is difficult. Our carnal desires will win every time if we don't feed the spiritual. And most of that comes down to choices and habits, the things that we have built into our lives. And sometimes the choices we make, they might seem innocent, but they affect the battle. So I'm going to give you a personal example from this week in my life. I've had people tell me, don't do this as a pastor. It's not good to be that open and honest with your people. I think that the best churches are churches where the pastor is open and honest with the people. I have had an absolutely rotten week from a spiritual perspective. My thought life has been in the gutter. Thinking about things from the past that I shouldn't be thinking about. Dwelling on things that I shouldn't be dwelling on. And, and it's just been a miserable week. Now, I've come to a point. Fortunately, I've come to a point in my life where when those things are coming on, I can hide it. Nobody knows. My wife doesn't know. She doesn't have. 
We had Thanksgiving away, you know, you're doing all the good stuff, going out and praying and delivering meals. And in the meantime, there's this just going on. And in the middle of the week, I'm thinking, what is going on? What's wrong with me this week? This is stupid. What's going on? And on Thursday, I figured it out. The World Cup started last Sunday. I'm just being transparent with you. I love the World Cup. I kid you not. I measure my life in four-year increments because the World Cup is every four years. I do. I absolutely love the World Cup. There are four games a day. One at 4 a.m., one at 7 a.m., one at 10 a.m., and one at 1 a.m. Every day. Now, I haven't had to watch any of the 4 a.m. games yet because none of the teams I'm really interested in are there. But sadly, this year, three teams I'm really interested in. England, my homeland, Canada, who is playing right now, and the USA. And they're all in it. So I've got this vested interest. And my friend, my best friend, he's from, his family's from Argentina. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Argentina. And I've got people from Portugal. So I'm watching the Portugal game. And, 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 I, and I'm spending all my time. Now, normally in the morning, I get up. I sit at the kitchen table. I've got my Bible. I've got my devotion. And I have a prayer time and a reading time. The problem is there's a game at 4 a.m. So when I get out of bed, I go straight to the computer to check the score from the 4 a.m. Because each day I predict the scores. How did I do today? And then I'll watch the highlights of the 4 a.m. game. Well, now it's 7 o'clock. The game kicks off at 7 o'clock. So I click the TV on. I'm watching the 7 o'clock game. I like to be here at 9. That game goes till 9. So... Halftime, I'm stuffing breakfast down my throat, and I'm getting going, and off I go. I get to work 9 o'clock. There's a game at 10. I get here, get things sorted out. Usually the games at 10 have got teams I'm interested in. I've got to get the 10 o'clock game. And then there's a game at 1. 3 o'clock, i got to do all the work I didn't do because I was watching games. And I got to Thursday, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, my mind is just all over the place with stuff that it shouldn't be thinking about. And I realized on Thursday, I haven't opened my Bible. Well, I have a little bit. I hardly prayed. I was driving down North Colony, and something happened, and I needed to pray for somebody. And it was like 5 o'clock in the evening. I thought, I haven't prayed at all today. This is my first prayer of the day. <laughs> I come here this morning knowing I'm going to preach to you. Canada's playing this morning. So I checked the score. They're, they're beating Croatia. Last time's finalists, 1-0. So I'm thinking about all of this and I'm thinking about Canada. I get out of the house. I come here left my keys at home. We're supposed to be decorating. Hector's going to do the stage. Have I called Hector? No. Hector's not here today. <laughs> He's out of town. Got to order pizzas for everybody. Okay. Oh, got to get the stuff out of the shed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. There are keys in the office. Oh, I left my keys at home. I don't know if you noticed. I got up here, and I'm trying to get my computer going. 
because I'm sat back there checking the Canada score. We were tied 1-1 when I got up here. I don't know what the score is. Really, touch it. <laughs> you see, there's nothing wrong with the World Cup. It's an innocent pursuit until it starts to invade what is important. And we all have things like that in our lives. We all have habits. We all have these things, these little trivial pursuits that we, that we go down these roads that steal away from the God time in our lives. And all of a sudden, we're wondering why our thought life is in the gutter, why we're losing our temper, why we're bitter and angry, why we're looking at this website. And you don't connect the dots between these little things that are going on that take you away. It is a spiritual battle. If you do not feed the spirit, the flesh will win. You have to work at it. It isn't easy to be a follower of Christ. It is not easy to live for Christ. You have to work at it. Not good news, but truth. It's a choice that we make. All right, let me, 11.29. Time's that game over. <laughs> okay, let me just share this, just to put myself really in the shame tank. I need to do this to myself. This is how bad it is. So one o'clock, Kim, our office manager, goes home at one. Kelly's gone. So I'm here alone the other day. Game, one o'clock. About 1.30, the doorbell goes. And I go out there, and there's a lady standing there. And she says, uh, I'm, I'm living in my car. Is there anything you can do for me? Now, we have a policy. All benevolence goes through Kelly. I don't give to people. I give to our benevolence, and then she appropriates it. So I said to the lady, well, Kelly's not here. She's the one that does that. If you come back in the morning, she'll be here, you know, at 9 o'clock. And that's good. But the truth of the matter is, I want to get back to the game. So I go back in my office, and then I think, I never asked her what was going on. I never prayed with her. We have food in the food closet that I could have given her. And I sent her on her way and said, come back tomorrow, because I was thinking about going back and watching the game. That is not good. It's all about choices. We get to choose which of the two we are going to respond to. It's always easier to respond to the negative one. That's why Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to hell. Narrow is the way that leads to heaven. Wide is the gate. Narrow is the door. If we want to stay on the narrow road that leads to life, you have to work at it. It's really easy to go down the other road. The road of despair. I feel a little bit of despair sharing this with you this morning. 
the road of hopelessness, the road of self-indulgent, the road of excess, and the road of selfishness. And you know what? In life, there are myriads of cheerleaders to lead us down that road because those are the things that the world applauds. It's all about me. It's all about getting what I want. You deserve. Narrow is the road, and it is difficult. And there are bumps along the way, and there are obstacles to overcome. And the temptation to turn back is great, and the justification to turn back is great. What about me? Don't I deserve? All right. I need to move forward here. I'm only halfway through this. I'm not going to give you the other half. I do want to share, share this, though. I'm not naive. I'm not claiming that this is the cure-all to everything. You know, developing good habits, daily reading of your Bible, ongoing prayer, not daily prayer, ongoing prayer, being in good, authentic, God-centered community, and serving. Those, those are just basic things that we, we all should be doing. Those are spiritual disciplines that need to be a habit in our lives. But I'm not naive. I'm not claiming that this is the cure-all to negativity, temptation, and sin. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I know good, godly people who still struggle with addictions. I know good, godly people who struggle with hurts, who struggle with hang-ups, who struggle with bad habits. They serve God. They pray. They read. They're in good Christian community. They check all the boxes, and they're doing all that they can to live by the Spirit, and they still struggle, just like I have this week. So this is not a cure-all. It's important to remember this. And I wonder to myself sometimes when I see those people, if they didn't have those spiritual disciplines in their lives, where would they be? To what level would they sink? It's not a cure-all. It's not the path to perfection, but it is the right path. And it is the path that we need to be on. And we must persevere to stay on it. So let me close with this. What's your SPS, your spiritual, what did I call it? Positioning satellite. Thank you, Barry. What's your spiritual positioning satellite saying to you? What's getting in the way of you living your best life? What habits are hurting you? What changes do you want to make? What changes do you need to make? You know, we're coming into a new year, and New Year is the time when people start talking about making a change, right? And the elders and I were already sitting down and we're planning for next year. We have a plan, we have a title, we have a direction that we want to go in to help each and every one. That's what this scripture says, right? We are gifts to the church to get people on the straight and narrow, to get them on the right road, help keep them on the right road. And we're talking about what we're going to do in the new year. But here, right now, you can get a head start. We've got another six Sundays before New Year. Start praying right now. God, I need to be on the right path here. 
I may have gone off on my own way, but you want to bring me back. That's how this works. He never lets us go. He says, you, you know, you wander off the path. I'll bring you back. But you have to say yes. You have to choose to come back. God, where am I messing up? What things maybe that I haven't noticed get in the way are getting in the way. That doesn't include the World Cup. I shared with you, I have a, an Advent devotional. There's something you can start. Today is the first day of Advent. If you don't have a daily devotional, you can purchase one. You can go online. I looked at a few. Crosswalk, crosswalk.com. Just go on there, put Advent. There's a whole bunch of things they want you to sign up for. Scroll past it. If you get down the page, they've got each day. You just click on the day. There's your devotion for the day. Bible Gateway Crew. That one was really good. Crew is the new hip name for Campus Crusade for Life. They have an awesome one. Again, just go to the website, put crew.org advent. Scroll past all the garbage. You get it on your phone and they've got a daily devotion. It's something to get you pointed in the right direction. Habits, choices, habits, choices. Start living your new life today. Like I said, living for Christ is not easy. It takes work and it takes sacrifice, but it is worth it. You may have to give up some of the pleasures of this life, but we don't live for this life, do we? We live for the hope that is to come. And there's nothing that you can give up today that you will not get back in spades in his kingdom. Our reward is not in this world. Our reward is the hope that is to come. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father, you've given us the Holy Spirit, our spiritual positioning satellite. And sometimes it's easy for us to be distracted and to ignore that spirit. Father, the world comes calling and it comes calling loud and it's natural to us to go down in that direction. And it is counterintuitive to us to go in the direction of the Spirit. So we need to feed the Spirit. Father, I pray for each and every one who is here today. I pray that this message and those who are online isn't just something that we check a box and leave. Did my church on Sunday morning. Father, begin the process of change in us right now. And it doesn't matter how long we've been following you. You still have a better way. You have something more for us. Father, tear down that resistance. Open our eyes to those things that need to change and give us the courage to step out and live the life you've called us to live. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. A couple of things. Like I said, I messed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then I ordered pizza because we're doing decorating. I ordered them for noon. Church finishes at 11.30 now, Mike. <laughs> if you can stay, I'm going to ask you to stay. We're not going to be able to do the stage today. That'll be a later project when Hector gets here. I don't want to step on Hector's toes. But Pam, where are you, Pam? She's probably out organizing things already back there. She's going to help us decorate in the foyer. So I've got pizzas coming in 20 minutes. If you can stay, please stay. 
We're going to take up our offering. Can I have those come forward, please? Now, somewhere in a seat in front of you, you will see various envelopes. One is an offering envelope. One is a prayer request. And one is a contact card or a communication card. If you're a guest visiting with us for the first time or you've never filled one of these out, I'm going to ask you to fill one out. Let us know who you are so we have a record of you. If you've got a prayer request, write it on the prayer, drop it in the basket as it goes by. With your offering, there are three ways that you can give. You can put your offering right in the basket. Some people are still not, you don't want to touch that thing. That's okay. You can go online to our website and give through Tithely, or you can mail it. Actually, four ways. You can come to me and say, here's my offering, Pastor Mike, but I'd rather you didn't do that. So let's pray for our offering. Father, we give you thanks for the blessings that you have poured out upon us. And Father, I pray as we come to give this morning, we give obediently, we give sacrificially, and we give joyfully. Father, I pray for us as a church that everything that you give us, we would use in a manner that brings glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. While they're taking up the offering, let me tell you about uh, everything that's going on. So like I say, we're going to do Christmas decorations. So I need a few people to stay. We're going to have someone go out to the shed, get the Christmas trees. We want it to look Christmassy, right? Oh, thanks giveaway. How many families did we end up helping? 35 families. That's a record. We've, we've never helped 35 families before. So I want to thank you. We stood out there in the pouring rain on Wednesday night, praying with people and giving, I mean, honestly, my sh- everything. We were all soaked through. But it was awesome. It was awesome to pray with people. It was awesome to see the look in their eyes and, and know that you've helped make their day a little bit better. So thank you to Hungry Souls. Thank you for all being a part of that. Next week is the toy run. And I've got a special challenge for you next week. We want to make this season of giving real for you. Some years ago, we did something. I gave away money. For you to give away to other people. And here was the condition. If you want to give away, if you want 100 bucks, I'll give you 100 bucks to go give to someone. But you have to match it. So if you don't want to match 100 bucks, come and ask for 50 bucks. Somebody has generously donated $2,500 for us to do that again this year. So I want you to pray about that this week. And next week, we're going we're gonna to give some cash out here. But there are going to be some conditions. The first condition is meet it. That way you're invested in it yourself. It's not just the church. And then I'll talk about the the other conditions next week. So thank you to that person or those people for donating it. It's a toy run next week. At 12 noon, you will hear motorbikes starting to come into this place. And the Six Skulls Motorcycle Club and a whole bunch of motorcycle clubs are going to be here. And many of you have seen this before. Some of you will be brand new. It's worth coming by to see all these bikers, and they come with their toys, and we're going to have the rock band playing music. Hungry Souls is cooking food. And as it is with bikers, it starts at the church. They go on a toy run. Where do they end? The bar. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. Years ago, they came to us and said, we want to do this, but we need your help. 
So we distribute the toys for them. We, we connect with people who are in need. So come by and take a look at that. And if you've got a bike, come and be part of it next week. So that is uh, registration at, at 12, KSU, 2 p.m. There you go. Kickstands up. See, I know the words. Uh, what else we got? Living Nativity. Following week. I have a sign-up sheet back there. My wife has a sign-up sheet. I need some Josephs. I need some Marys. It's a one-day thing. I want some young Josephs. I want some young Marys. <laughs> We're doing three of them. We're going to have Carol singing out here. Pam is going to put together cookies. So we need cookies. When's the best time for them to bring those, Pam? That day. Just bring them on the day. Right. It's Saturday the 10th. Thank you. And just come and be part of it. We're going to have the nativity set up out there. We're going to tell the story of, of, of Christmas. It's awesome. I'm sitting here this week. I get a phone call from uh, some fella out in Little Elm. He's, are you guys doing a nativity? Yeah. He says, oh, I love it. Is it going to be like a living one with people? I said, yeah. So, oh, great. I'll be there. When is it? I'm, I'm thinking, how did you know? How does he know? Someone told him, right? That's our job. Tell people. Invite people. We're going to have signs up around town. Ricky is making things to go out there. Hector and Randy and people have set up that. It's good. So be part of the living nativity. Sandra... Round them up and sign them up. Shepherds, angels, wise men, Mary, Joseph. All right? What else we got going on? Decorating today. Women's ministry, fourth quarter birthday celebrations. Sunday, December the 11th, after service. That's two weeks time. It's your birthday in the last quarter. Come and be a part of that. It's only for the girls. Sorry, guys. But I have discovered they always have more food than they need. So wait for about a half an hour. And then go on in there and get some food. All right, that's all we got. Thank you all for being here. Please stand. Thank you for joining us online. I pray that you are blessed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one that you've brought here. I thank you for all that you've connected. Pour out your blessings upon us, Father, so that we may be a blessing to everyone we meet. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Take the narrow road. Amen.